0: Good afternoon, folks. It's that time again. Time for the elephant in the room here on WJAS 1320 AM and talk 99.1 FM talk. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, joined in studio today by my trusty executive director, John Snyder, man of a few words. You've heard me say that so many times. And John just glances out. He doesn't care anymore. He just glances over and, you know, shakes his head, smiles. And we have Dandy Daryl Grandy, our producer the guy that makes all the magic happen and gets everything that our guests say in studio to you folks, the listeners here at home. And I'm very excited today, John and Daryl, about our show. I mean, last week we had a great show. We had Pennsylvania treasurer Stacey Garrity join us, talking about the accomplishments she's had the last three years in office and what she hopes to accomplish this year. And then she teased a little bit about running for re-election here. We know she's going to, mm-hmm. but she hasn't yet formally announced. But hey, we have a great show today. I'm excited because now we're joined today on the phone by my friend and Pennsylvania's Auditor General, Tim DeFore. Tim, welcome to the show.
1: Sam, it is good to hear your voice. How are you doing, my friend?
0: I'm doing good. How about yourself, sir?
1: I'm doing fantastic. And um, to all your listeners out in the greater Pittsburgh area and Allegheny County, it's great to talk to people who live in a place that, at one time,
0: I used to call home. <laughs> yes. I mean, you you, you did live here. Do you want to tell the folks about that?
1: Yeah. Um, I, so everybody knows I, I'm a University of Pittsburgh alum. Um, a hail to Pitt. Brother, hail Pitt. My yep. younger brother is a University of Pittsburgh alum, and my older brother was a University of Pittsburgh alum. And at one time, I worked for, um, for UPMC Health Plan. Mm-hmm. And um, had a very um, very happy and successful career in, in Pittsburgh. And um, I'm often in the city for both business and pleasure because it's such a great city.
0: Well, we I, I mean, you know I've told you this many times. We love to have you here, you know. Right. <clears throat> and you have been a frequent guest at our holiday parties in the past. Can't tell you how much we've appreciated that.
1: No, you know, all you have to do is give me the reason to come out, and I will.
0: Yeah. Now, Now, Tim, you are a little bit... Like a unicorn, and I say that because as Pennsylvania's auditor general, you're actually the first auditor general that was actually an auditor. Isn't that the truth?
1: Yeah that that, that is the truth. I was told that by my by my staff. I um I, I didn't believe it, but yeah, come to find out that um that, that I am. And I don't mean to to um you know to minimize some of the accomplishments of the former auditor generals, but um but my career has been spent. As an auditor, I was a, um, a, a certified internal auditor with the International Organization of Standardization, and um, I've, I've been auditing for most of my 30-year career. So most of my career has been spent either auditing how tax dollars are being spent or investigating fraud, waste, and abuse and how, and, um, how our tax dollars are being spent. So, um, yeah, so auditing is, is, is what I do and what I've done in my career. And that's why I'm so happy and so blessed to be in the position
0: that I am. Now, many of the folks that are listening, you know, they know, you know, you're, you're the Pennsylvania auditor general and things like that. And you've talked and just explained about you were an auditor and talk about auditing, but can you explain to the folks or give them sort of a little description is to so what are the types of things that you folks conduct audits on and and what's to the benefit? What, how does that benefit the people of Pennsylvania?
1: Well, it, they um, they they get to know and understand, and learn that how government is actually spending their taxpaying dollars. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's that's my main purpose is to determine how taxpayer dollars are being spent if they're being spent appropriately and the programs that are funded by state government. And it also it, it could be a program that um, is in the state department, or it could be a program that is outside state government, but is funded by state government? Are those programs, are they running in a way in which um, they're supposed to? And um, if they're not, and we discover that in an audit, we'll make a common sense recommendation to the legislature, to the auditee, and to the governor with regards to what we feel recommend, what we feel is wrong, and make some common sense recommendations and solutions and how the problem can be, can be fixed. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much what we do. And um, we do that by performing three types of audits. Um, The first one is financial audits. And the the financial audit, it's in the name itself. The second one being performance audits. And that is how different programs that are funded by state government, how are they actually performing? And, And the third one can be attestation engagement. And what that is is let's say a State Department comes to us and they say, well, we want you to take a look at this part of this particular program. And we come up with some, um, together come up with some audit guidelines, and um, we perform on whatever those recommended or agreed upon procedures are. And um and let me, I can't forget a, a fourth, actually. And those are some compliance audits. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we're not a compliance regulatory agency. We don't make um, laws, we don't make regulations, well, Regulations and um, and a policy, but if we are um, asked to do it, then we then we will. And there's there's several where we are required by law to perform these audits. And on a and, they, um, and bring, being brief, it's like pension audits, we are required by law to, um, to audit certain pension plans in this municipalities. And the same with um, fire relief audits, and also certain functions of of um, federal funding, and that's in, for example, the state received a lot of money, COVID money, with the um, to to disburse to whomever the government felt needed to receive those funds. We audit those funds as well. Mm-hmm. And we do that through our single and our state audit. So, so in a nutshell, it's we 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 follow the money, Sam. That's our job is to follow the money.
0: Well, that's awesome. Now, <clears throat> Tim, tell me about your office. How many employees? Work in the Auditor General's office, and, and what's your annual budget?
1: Well, our annual budget is about um, 42, 43 million um, compared to the Commonwealth, which is about 42, 44 billion. Right. And we have about 370, 380 employees total. Wow. Now, not all of them are auditors. Mm-hmm. Um, we have in a neighborhood of about 290, close to 300. That in fact are our auditors, and and this is probably the smallest this department has ever been. At one time, the department had close to a thousand employees. If you can imagine that, wow, maybe yeah, um, yeah close to a thousand employees, and we're we are or about um, about three eighty, but but we manage, and, okay. the, and the employees that we have, I have to admit, are extremely um, dedicated to the craft of, of auditing.
0: Well, I'd say you guys do far more than managing because I believe that you conduct thousands of audits a year, don't you?
1: Thirty five hundred a year.
0: Wow! Yeah, wow! We
1: perform thirty five hundred a year. So, so when I say that our our employees are extremely busy and extremely dedicated, you can't get away with not having a dedicated staff and, and produce thirty five hundred orders on the annual
0: basis. And that that's phenomenal. I mean, it, it really is. It sounds like the people are getting their money's worth out of the Auditor General's office for sure.
1: Without a doubt. And we want to make sure that the citizens get their get their money's worth. I mean, our, our number one job is to make sure that it, government is accountable and transparent with regards to how we spend, um, how government spends tax dollars. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our main job. We're apolitical. And I think many and you have talked about this before. We have one function. And that is to make sure that government is transparent and accountable on how it spends taxpayer dollars.
0: Well, and I I think you've demonstrated that because you know unlike some of your predecessors, I mean I, I believe you had vowed, you know, not to weaponize audits but to follow the law. And I yeah. think you know uh, you've you've conducted audits under former Governor Tom Wolf, and you're conducting them under current Governor Josh Shapiro. And there's no politics or even a hint of politics being played, at least that I've heard.
1: In in their campaign. I mean, the the moment I start playing politics or we start playing politics in a department, what happens is is you put your thumb on the scale of an audit. And, you know, one of the things that our auditors are, um, are sworn to do, and this is one of the things that's in the auditing standards, is to be independent. If you start playing politics with regards to how you do your audits, how you perform your audits, then that immediately, that, that independence immediately goes away and it really casts a, um, a, um, um, not a positive light and it makes some of the audit reports, if you do do that, it makes them, people question why you, why, why are you doing this? And is this audit politicized or is it not politicized? And that's something I don't, and that question is going to come up anyway, depending on mm-hmm. what the audit, how audit. But that's something I want to take away from the department, because the first thing that we have to do is to be independent. I mean, our, our main job, in addition to performing the orders, is also to inform the legislature and to inform the governor and the citizens of this Commonwealth, citizens like yourself, inform you of how your tax dollars are being spent. So our job is to inform, to inform and also to make people understand that this is what's going on, these are our recommendations, and you can trust and believe that what we do is um, is produce a quality audit report. And you can depend on us to do that.
0: Well, I think, I mean, that that goes without saying. And you have proved that over the last three years, you know. And I know, you know, I, I've heard some say that you've actually transformed, you know, yeah. uh, th- this department in some of the ways that you do things. Like, for example, school audits. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so, and— you know, and we one of the, the things that, that we decided to do, Sam, and we did this very early on, is when we talk about transforming the department, that's what we looked at doing. Um transforming to improve, which meant how how are we doing our work internally? Are we being efficient in how we're doing our work? Are we writing our audit reports in a way that the common person or the auditee can understand? So very early on in the administration, we took a look at how we were doing our work. And one of those was, how exactly are we performing school audits? Now, one of the biggest misconceptions that was out there with the to school audits was that people believed that we were doing financial audits for school districts. So when we closed the Bureau of School Audits, there was an uproar across the state that nobody was longer, no, nobody was longer, no longer <coughs> looking at, how school audits are being performed and they can spend money any way they want to. Mm -hmm. And if you would ask the average person, okay, what exactly did the Bureau of school audits do? They couldn't tell you. So number one, every school district, whether you are a public school, a private school, or charter cyber school, they're audited every year. They have to have an independent auditor come in and audit them every year. Now, I don't know what school district you live in, and even your listeners, they could Google their school district and put audited financial statements. And online, they should be able to see their audit financial statements of the school district that they live in. Mm-hmm. If not, they should be able to have that information. So we don't audit um, financial school districts. We never have. Here's what the um, Bureau of School Audits did. They were basically taking information such as school bus ridership, teacher certification, and whether or not um, fire and safety rules were performed every year. We were taking that information from the Department of Education, looking at it, verifying that, the, verifying that the information that the Department of Education had was, in fact, correct, putting in an audit report, then putting it out there. That's a duplication of effort. And in addition to that, when I had started several years ago, the Bureau of School Audits had 120 people that were employed there. When I started, they had 46. So the to cutbacks to cut on the Bureau of School Audits had already begun. So, so we looked at how, um, how we were performing audits for school districts, and we realized well, we can be a bit more efficient in how we're doing that. We're not doing financial audits, never have, never will. As far as the information that um, we were auditing, the Department of Education already had. So we were just duplicating their efforts. So what we did, we decided to close the BO school audits, use those resources in performance audits, and audit school districts on the performance. So that's what we're doing. We will always audit school districts, but from this point on, we will audit them based on performance and how they're performing with with taxpayer dollars in your program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's where we are with school.
0: Well you've also gone beyond that. It's not just about auditing schools. I mean, haven't you been a big proponent, an advocate for financial literacy to be taught in our schools? I mean
1: absolutely. And there's several reasons why several reasons for that. One, it's Sam, it's it's my job as not only as a statewide elected official, but as a first living in our community to prepare the next generation, to be a mentor to others the way that they were, that others were mentors to me. And years ago, when I was Dalton County Controller, I saw the importance and the need for teaching financial literacy. Um, from financial literacy from kindergarten to 12th grade, like so many other things in the country have, have done. And um, and because what you do when you teach financial literacy, and, Kids graduating from high school understand their, um, understand finance. They, when they look at their paycheck, they understand where the money is going. They understand credit. They understand what it takes to save for an emergency. They understand what it takes to, to buy a car. And um, the better off these kids are graduating from high school, the better off this Commonwealth is going to be down the road. And another thing that we started to see, and when I start looking at audit reports, and one of the things that I do on a regular basis is every week I will randomly select maybe four or five audits just a week, just to see, you know, um, how they're written and just to see what's going on. So I will mm-hmm. randomly select four or five audits. And I remember picking up five um, five pension audits. Now when we do our pension audits, we do them in blocks. And we may do, like, let's say 10 at a time. So these um, 10 pension audits were released. I looked at five, and of the five that I looked at, all of them had some type of audit findings. Now, when you technically take a look at them, you may think to yourself, well, there's a mistake here, a mistake here. And the first thing that may come to mind at times is fraud. And, but when you start looking at them, you realize that there's, these errors or these issues aren't, necessarily, aren't fraud. The basic accounting errors, mm-hmm. and that the individuals who are responsible for putting together the, um, the pension data or calculating the pension information performed a, base, had a, performed a basic math error. And then, so I then realized that you know what—it's not only the students who are in K through twelve that need to understand financial literacy; it's as well. And by teaching it. These errors that we're seeing in some of these pension auto reports, hopefully they'll go away because the individuals will understand, have a better understanding of, of accounting, better understanding of math. So it comes full circle. I mean, again, you know, and it's, it started off with, the, with with our children, with our future, mm-hmm. our future business leaders, our future individuals who are going to be creating jobs, individuals who for the next several decades are going to be responsible for not only this commonwealth economy, but for the nation's economy, preparing them for that. So it started off by helping to prepare them, but we also realized that it's also some adults that, that need, need and want that is as well. And I have to give my um, my thanks to Senator Gephardt, who recently had legislation passed to where, and I believe in calendar year 26, 27, where – Graduating high school seniors are going to have a, to have a half a credit. Take a half a credit of financial literacy in order to graduate from high school, and that's the major accomplishment. And some people may not see that as a major accomplishment, but that is a major accomplishment. Pennsylvania is now the 25th state in the country to offer financial literacy, and I am so proud of the senator, and um, and I'm going to continue to be an advocate. Of financial literacy again because as great a step as that is I'd like to see it offer from kindergarten through 12th grade um, as a lot of other states are doing it and a lot of other school districts in the Commonwealth are doing it and have been doing it for, for decades mm-hmm. and, and um, these school districts that we've visited held press conferences they're not necessarily waiting for action from the state with regards to teaching financial literacy they understand the importance of it. So some of them have been doing it for decades, and as part of our Beat Monday Smart Financial Liter- Literacy Initiative, we have been going across the state, um, holding press conferences at these schools and saying, look, this is a way to get it done. These school districts are doing it the right way. And now, as far as teaching financial literacy, it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, because teaching it at the school district and, let's say, in, in Westmoreland County, may not be the same as seeking it in, in, Center, in Center, Center City, Philadelphia, which we've been to both. But the bottom line is teaching in, teach it in a way in which the students are going to understand.
0: Well, that's awesome. You know, And, uh, folks, we're here talking today with our guest, uh, Pennsylvania Auditor General, Tim DeFore. And, Tim, I mean, you, you did other things as well. I mean, when you talk about transforming the office, didn't you change the way that the Auditor General's office recruits and retains their employees?
1: Yes, yes, we did. So um, there's a couple things that we did. So, And, again, it all goes back to to some of the things that we did. I say we because I, I can't take credit for, for, all, for any of this. Um, I, you know At times I kind of throw out an idea, and the staff will take it and run with it and improve any thought that I have. So you're often going to hear me refer to the department as, as we. Um, because I have such a fantastic, fantastic staff. But, yes, as far as recruiting, and one of the things that we realized very early on is after the COVID restrictions were lifted, lifted, throughout the Commonwealth, people were retiring at a high rate. And if you watch any of the budget hearings, you hear secretary after secretary, state official after state official, saying that people were retiring and they could not replace people. They could not replace People who are retiring, let alone hire new people. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and it was the same with, with our department. We we could not replace the, the people that were um, that were retiring. At one point, we were down to I just said that we had like three hundred and eighty people. At one point, we were down to about three hundred and forty almost. So, we need to come up with a, a way to to um, to recruit recruit talent. So, um, so one of the things that we felt it was important to do is to go to where the talent is, and the talent is in our state-related universities, and as our and in our Apache schools, our Pennsylvania um, higher assistance, Pennsylvania, um, um, Pennsylvania higher higher education um, um, schools Apache schools. Mm-hmm. So it was important for for us to. Um, to go visit the schools. When I say us, I was on every visit. Um, it's important for us to go to these schools and to talk to the administrators and talk to the accounting, business and IT students about working for the government. And it's important than working for the government. And talking about everything that in particular the Department of the Auditor General had to to offer. So we visited all four state-related schools: four state-related, Pitt, Penn State, Temple, and Lincoln, and each and every one of the Pasi schools as as well. And, um, and we were we talked about state employment. We talked about like um, coming if you come to work for the state out of school, and you have a student loan. You work for the state for ten years, your loan will be forgiven. We talked about all the great benefits that um, the state has to offer. We talked about Quality of life that the state has to offer, and especially the auditor general, the different types of audits, and different types of departments that we um, that we have, and um, so so we started this tour. So halfway through the um, the tour, um, a workforce development team, which is which is also there, so we decided to um, to create the department's first ever workforce development. Team. So our workforce development team came up with this idea with regards to interns because prior to the department would have maybe three or four interns a year. So the department came up with this idea and they called it intern to hire. And what it was, if you are in um, if you are a Pennsylvania resident and you could be going to school out of state, or if you were from an out-of-state working in uh, going to a Pennsylvania school, and if you had 60 college credits, and you were on course to graduate with 12 credit hours of accounting and 12 credit hours of IT, you automatically um, are eligible to enroll in the Intern to Hire program.
0: So once
1: enrolled in the Intern to Hire program, if you graduate with 12 credit hours of accounting, 12 credit hours of IT. And you complete 900 credit hours of in, 900 hours of internships, which is the equivalent of two summers, or um, you could also do it school school year um, during a school year. If you graduate and you get a satisfactory rating in the internship program, you're going to have a job.
0: Well, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and that and, it's, and I believe this is the first of its kind internship program. So um, so we kicked off the program, and one of the things very early on was in within our, within our first year. Well,
0: well, Tim, could, yes. could, could I ask you to hold that thought because we're going to have to take a break to pay the bills here? But I'd love okay. to learn more and continue that right after the break, okay? All right. Uh, folks, this is uh, Sam DeMarco, your host on The Elephant in the Room on WJAS, 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. Be right back. Folks, welcome back to the elephant in the room. This is Sam DeMarco, and we're joined on the phone here by Pennsylvania Auditor General Tim DeFore. And Tim, we were just talking before the break. You were telling us more about the intern-to-work program that you had yeah. there that you instituted, you know, in the Auditor General's yeah. office.
1: Yeah, so it was our, our intern-to-hire program that our workforce development team um, developed and came up with. And as I was saying earlier, if... Um, if uh, you're, you're a college student and you, uh, you have 60 college, 60 college credits and you are on course to graduate with 12, 12 credit hours of accounting, 12 credit hours of IT, and um, you're eligible for the program. And once in the program, if you complete 900 credit hours of um, internship, complete the 12 credit hours of accounting and, and or accounting or IT, you a satisfactory rating. On your internship program, then you're going to have a job. Mm-hmm. So, and um, so, and one of the things, and actually went across the state talking about this. We did the passing schools, the state related schools, and we also held a couple some press conferences. We held our first one at Temple in Philadelphia and a couple other ones in the western part of the state, and also here in Harrisburg with the um, Chancellor, um, Chancellor Greenstein of the passing schools. So, we kicked off this program within our first year, year and a half, one of the things that one of the good things that happened with this program, we were wondering if it was going to be successful. Well it was. Um we we had more interns applying for the intern to hire program than we actually have employees.
0: Wow. Scott, yeah Wow. I mean that, that especially today, as many folks are claiming are finding it hard to attract, you know, new employees and things like that. Yeah. To have that sort of demand based upon, you know, the programs you put in place. I mean that that, that is awesome.
1: That was that was totally amazing, and we end up going from um, from four interns to seventeen interns, and we I like to double that, double that this year, mm-hmm. and in fact, um, we just hired the first two graduates of that program this past fall. Wow. So, so the program, and the, we, we view this program as the feeder for the next level of um, for the, the next generation of auditors within the within the department. And one of the things that it that it did, is, um, as far as the 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 experience and the level of auditors that we're bringing in, if these if these were interns who did the work. When they're interning at a very high level, so when they come in to be auditors, they're already doing, performing audits at a very high level. So that makes things a lot easier on people like me. So um, I'm so proud of, of some of the things that we that we've done with regards to the um, to the intern to hire
0: program. No, that that, that that's fantastic, and. And Tim, I mean, listen, you were a bit of a, um, I don't want to call it a trend center, but a a glass breaker. Because when you were elected in 2020, I mean, you were the first African-American to win statewide office in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I'm very proud of that because, as you know, the Democrats seem everybody they want to put up as a candidate. They always claim it's the first. First in line for the bathroom. First in line for lunch, okay? But really, you know, we we broke— the glass ceiling here, and uh, you know, so uh, you know, I, you, you were really, um, I mean, you, so, you were really making waves, my friend.
1: So here's here's what I'm very thankful for the for um, the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and um, and you as well, because I remember coming when I was trying to get the endorsement, coming out to Pittsburgh and talking to you. So when we talk about when I look at the people who helped me, you're one of them. So pat yourself in the back if
0: you can. Well, listen, I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, uh, one of the things uh, I have people telling me like I'm a big deal here, you know, and I find it hard to believe because I feel like I'm a dog hydrant, excuse me, a fire hydrant in a dog's world. But, uh, but I will say this, and Tim, uh, I recognized from the first time we spoke and I met you that you would be a great, great candidate. And again, I think, you know, for me, I, I have a business background. And I just look for competency in government, right? And when we talked and you explained, you know, not only your background having attended, you know, college here at the University of Pittsburgh, worked for UPMC here, but you were an actual auditor running for the position, you know, and you were in law enforcement. I mean, it's a natural, it's a no brainer. And I'm glad the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania saw that in 2020 as well. And I believe that they're going to absolutely see that this year in 2024.
1: Yeah, and and that's what it was about. Um, When I ran in 2020, um, it's not about me running against somebody. It's about me talking about my experience and what I've done, letting the voters decide whether or not, um, number one, I should get elected, and number two, going into 2024, we're here now, whether or not I should keep my job. And one of the things that I've always talked about these are this is my experience, and my experience has always been dealing with taxpayer dollars. It's, it's always been like that, and there's, I, I've never, and even when I the only other political office I've ever run for was also county controller, which did the same thing on an accounting level. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that so as far as making people accountable for taxpayer dollars and government be transparent, that's what I've done for my, um, my entire career, whether it was in law enforcement or whether it was a certified internal auditor. it's Because um, I really care, you know, about how our tax dollars are being sent. Look, when I'm at the, when I'm in my office, I have TVs. I mean, one of the views of it, because my um, office is on the corner. So I have TVs. With got one window, you have a view of the Capitol. Another view, you look out over a neighborhood. Where people, neighborhoods in the city of Harrisburg, where some people are living under the poverty level. And I know because I have, I know people in those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. As far as the people that that live in those neighborhoods, Sam, I can't forget about them.
0: Nope.
1: They pay taxes, they work, some of them, and I know some of them, work three jobs. Just to have a roof over their kids' heads and make sure that they're. Kids get get a meal and don't go to bed hungry. Mm-hmm. So I have to think about them when I do my job. Well, so I, that's why I do my job the way the way that I that I do it, and, um, and make sure that those individuals who are there that they're not forgotten forgotten about. And I'm not just talking about it; I'm actually doing things that's going to impact their lives. There you have it.
0: Well, I think. Tim, you know, you've, you're a great leader. And I say that because as you've reiterated a number of times here on the show, you talked about, not about yourself, but you talk about your staff, yeah. you know, and you talk about how, you know, you can provide direction and you can provide ideas, but it's your staff. It's your team at the auditor general's office that takes and executes, you know, on those ideas, puts them into practice and helps that office deliver for the benefit of the people, of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And to that point, the people in that neighborhood that you see when you look out the window on the other side of the Capitol. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, um, and you, as far as, you know, and we, we talked about, about, about staff. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, you know, half of them, I don't know what political affiliation they are. Um, All I know is that they're experts in their area. I have an expert who is my deputy for administration. And as far as managing an office, managing an office's um, finance and budget, that's his area of expertise. Mm -hmm. I have somebody who, um, in my legislative office, um, former state representative John Earth, knows how the capital works. Mm-hmm. and it's and for my um director of communications someone who um worked under former governor Ridge, and is an expert in communications so you have to have the right people doing the job and we're talking about people who are subject matter experts mm-hmm. you have to have those people in place in order for any of this to um
0: to work well I've always told folks that when you have good people working for you it's a joy to come to work you yeah, know it
1: really is.
0: and conversely if you don't you know it can seem like uh, you know hell on wheels right so uh, you know I'm glad and I think a testament all the accomplishments that you've been able to achieve in just three years you know and how you've been able to re- transform that office is a testament to the ability of the team you have in place to be able to execute. And uh, we we want to give kudos to those folks, you know, and the entire team at the Pennsylvania Auditor General's Office. Absolutely. Now, Tim, here we are, 2024. There's going to be an election this year. Are you running for re-election? I am running for
1: re-election. And I announced that um, uh, about a month ago. Okay. About a month ago. And um, one of the things that I said in my, my election announcement is, again, is to make sure that we continue to do the job that we are supposed to do. And when you look at the Pennsylvania Fiscal Code, it lays out the auditor general's responsibilities. That's what I follow. Mm-hmm. I don't follow a particular ideology. I follow through what is the law, what is under the Pennsylvania Fiscal Code. That's how we do our work. As far as when we put our audits together, what is the, the um, federal auditing standards, the generally accepted auditing standards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how we do our work, and what work are we going to do that actually impacts people? The moment they look into their bank account, the moment they look into their checkbook, and the moment they um, go to the bank. So, looking at so doing those things that is going to impact the average person. That's what we that's what we vow to do, and I believe that um, that, that we're doing
0: that. Well, I've always believed that when people go to the polls on election day. And whether they're pulling a lever on a machine, you know, selecting a name on a uh, electronic voting machine, or, you know, coloring in a circle on a ballot, that they believe that somehow, some way, that their choice in that vote is going to make their life a little bit better, okay? That or their kids or their grandkids. And, you know, I mean, th- this is a testament to the things that you're doing. You explained earlier, you know, the folks in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania should be able to understand that by ensuring that the money that the government is spending is properly spent ensures that their tax dollars are used effectively, you know, and trying to minimize any waste, fraud, or abuse. So, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing. And it seems like most folks understand that.
1: Yeah. It's it's a a common sense approach. And that's, that's pretty much what this is. I mean, we, we understand what our duties and responsibilities are. And, um, and we, we follow, that, follow that to a tick. And one of the things that we've, that we've done is I, I, have, a, I have an open-door policy. Mm-hmm. So if somebody, has a con- somebody has a concern. It could be a legislator. It could be a citizen. If they want to come in and see me and talk about it, they can come in and see me and talk about it. Um, and we've, we've had people who, you know, some audits that, that we performed who were completely against some of the things that we, that we did in the audit and um, didn't necessarily care for it. And so, what do we do? We invite them in, invite them in, sit them down, and say, you know what? Okay, let's talk about this. So, if someone doesn't necessarily like what we've done, or may not necessarily like me, um, doesn't mean we're not going to invite them in, sit them down, and say, okay, let's talk about this. So we have an under so so we have an understanding of what we did and what our responsibilities are, and maybe those individuals may have a, an idea with regards to. Um, some of the things we do need to look at, because that's happened as well. So we sit down with, um, you know, citizens and sat down with members of the legislature, and we sat down with members of the administration. Now, one of the things that we're currently working on, we're currently working on the first ever audit of pharmacy benefit managers. Mm -hmm. And as most people know, the um, largest purchaser of pharmaceuticals in this country is government. So, and um, there's always been this question about pharmacy benefit managers and their relationships with pharmacies and, you know, some of the hidden costs that may be included. So, we had a conversation with um, Department of Health Secretary Atrouge with regards to auditing pharmacy benefit benefit managers. And we um, announced several months ago, I believe it may have been back in, don't quote me on this, September, October, or even could have been August. That we were performing an audit of Medicaid pharmacy benefits. So um, there, there are a, a lot of things that, that we uh, that we do and that we should be doing. And um, it doesn't matter who you are, if you have a concern as a citizen, then um, when I to us
0: about it, come to visit. Well, that, well, that's I mean that's a heck of an invitation. I think folks should take you up on that. Now, <clears throat> Tim, as you look forward to twenty twenty four. You know, uh, what do you want to do in the office that you haven't done already? What are the things that you're looking forward to as you, you know, try to continue the transformation that you've already uh, begun?
1: Well, so here's here's one of the things that, we, that we've done. And right now we're in the middle of a pilot project, a couple of pilot projects. And you heard me earlier talk about some of the um, ways that we are changing how we do our work. Um, looking at how we do it, are we being efficient, and um, th- what areas do we need to improve on? Well, one of the one of the things that we decided to improve on is by looking at all our audits across the board, especially audits that we are statutory required to do. Now, as I also stated earlier, we perform 3,500 audits per year. Our question has always been: that's a great number, but do we need to be doing that many? And can we be more efficient of doing those audits? So we started a couple pilot projects that we are currently wrapping up, and that's part of our um, transformation to, to improve the department. So we're starting to audit based on risk and vulnerability. What are the financial risks to commonwealth? What are, the finan- what are the financial vulnerabilities to commonwealth? Mm-hmm. And if, if we... If we have performed audits for years, for decades, of an entity with this low risk, low vulnerability, why are we still performing those audits? We still have the information to determine what the risks and the vulnerabilities are, but we may not need to perform a full-blown audit. Sam, as you know, audits can be lengthy and they're expensive. But if you have the information to determine whether there's risk or vulnerabilities, and if you, by looking at the information, if you don't see any risk or any vulnerabilities, you may not necessarily need to perform a, a full-blown audit because okay. of the time spent for an audit. So there's two things that we're looking at. We're looking at something called doing um, limited procedure limited procedure engagements. And what those are is simply looking at the risks and vulnerabilities of, of what we audit. And we can look at that based on past information, past audit reports of, of audits we're also looking at cutting down the time period of performing our audits. Like for example, we may look back, um, we do our audits, normally we look back four years. Well, if you look back that long, some of the things you may be looking at two or three years ago may have always already been corrected. So you're kind of wasting that time performing that audit. What are things that are happening recently? The things that have happened in the past year. So based on that, we're, we're looking at more or less, um managing our time and efficiency with regards to audit by cutting back the audit time period to four years to more or less a year. where We're going to get an audit out a lot quicker, and we're going to get an audit out with more up-to-date information. So those are some of the things that we're doing now. We're doing some pilot projects. Year two, quote, will be sent to two. term two is everything that we're working now with regards to pilot projects, that they, that they become standard auditing practice food in the Department of the Auditor
0: General. Well, that sounds like, uh, you know, we need to rehire you and reelect you here to make sure that we put these things into practice, right?
1: You, you know, uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm putting it out to the, for the, to the public so they understand this is what your Auditor General is doing. This is what, you know, excuse me, not what your Auditor General is doing, what the Auditor General, Department of the Auditor General is doing. This is what we're doing. This is how we have transformed, improved the department for the next generation. So it was one of the things that um, that always frustrated me about government, and I and this used to frustrate me when I did when I was again when I was a certified internal auditor with um, with international organization of standardization. Government was always slow to change and improve. If it's kind of like if it's not broke right now, if it's not really if it's broken just a little bit, then we don't need to change it. Government needs to constantly be looking at ways to improve.
0: Well, I, to be I, I couldn't agree more. Now. Tim, for our listeners who have listened to our conversation here on this show, and believe that you absolutely should be returned and reelected here in twenty twenty four, where do they go to help you?
1: So, what, um, so they can go to my, i um, just Google my name, um, Tim DeFoor for um Tim DeFort for PA, and that's going to take you directly to my to my website.
0: Okay, and they can volunteer there, and they can, they can. donate there. Correct.
1: They can volunteer. They can donate. Anything, or they—if they want me to come speak to um, to a certain group, they can do that as well. Now, if it's something that's non-political, then sh- simply reach out to my staff. If they would like to have me come speak um, to a to a group or to an organization, I that's something I, I do as well. I mean, it's, it's all about reaching out to the people and understanding what is it that we do within a department, because for so long the department has been defined by others who, you know. They have some political motives in mind. And um, what I'm trying to do is transform it back to the way that it originally was intended.
0: Okay. So, folks, if you, if you listen to that, well, actually, I think you want to go to Defor D-E-F-O-O-R, the number four, PA.com. So, know. Defor the number four, PA.com. And you're able to learn more about Tim. You're able to donate. And uh, you're able to sign up to be a volunteer. Tim, this has been phenomenal having you join us today. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people of Allegheny County and Pittsburgh or the surrounding area or our other listeners that you haven't said?
1: Um, I haven't said a Thank you. Thank you for um, supporting the department. Thank you for supporting me. And, um, again, I've been out to the western part of the state speaking to different groups, going going to different schools. Um, I'm a supporter of Junior Achievement, the the YMCA's. And um, whenever I've, I'm in the western part of the state, I've been um, been treated like I was royalty. So, um, you know, I'm going to say thank you to UCM. I'm going to say thank you to your listeners and the people of western Pennsylvania.
0: Well, w- we appreciate everything you do, Tim. Look forward to seeing you the next time you're, you're in the area and, and want to wish you the best of luck as we move forward here into 2024. You know, not just as the Auditor General but in your re-election efforts as well. I think, uh, you know, when you got a good thing, you you keep it going, and I think we're going to keep you around, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that that happens.
1: Tim, I appreciate you. Thank you very much.
0: You got it. Hey, Tim, you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Guys, what a great interview with Tim DeFore, you know? I mean, what do you think, Daryl? I think it was great. He
1: laid, he laid out his plan. He laid out everything that he does, and really it really makes you appreciate – his role, his, the the depth and breadth of of what he does for the for the state.
0: Right, I, I think he helped illustrate for folks, you know, what the Office of Auditor General does. Yeah, because you know
1: that that's one that that that, that when you think of all the different line items of, of of government and how government operates, that's one that doesn't necessarily. Yeah, you hear the term, but doesn't necessarily necessarily jump off the page as okay, this is what this person does.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. John, dude, what do you think?
1: Uh, I particularly enjoyed your how you introduced him as being the unicorn. You like um, that, he, huh? Yeah,
0: no, that was very good. I like that. Well, he listen. Tim is a great guy. Now, hey, <clears throat> um, folks, uh, this week in Allegheny County, uh, we swore in a new county executive. That was County Executive Sarah Inamorato, who's uh, you know the, the they made a big deal about the first woman to have that office, and uh, so we want to you know give her the opportunity, you know, to get started here and and and, and to govern, and don't want to get in the way of these things, but. Unfortunately, some, uh, you know, maybe missteps on her on her part, you know, I had to issue a couple of press releases this week and uh, do some media interviews because, you know, one, uh, they put out a survey, you know, and you can find it if you go to a Connie for all or for, you know, share dot um, But what it is is this was prepared by her transition team. And I mean, you, you, you couldn't have prepared a more biased left wing survey If you try, like for example, for public safety, they ask you about what do you care about safety, but they don't offer you an option, like maybe hire more police. Or they ask you about how do we keep people in their homes in regards to affordable housing or homeless, but yet they don't say anything. There's no option to say, keep your taxes low, right? So that was the one thing. And then the second thing was she came out on Wednesday and announced that she was going to raise the minimum wage of all full-time county employees to $22 an hour by 2027. You know, folks, you know, I've been on County Council the last eight years. I'm just telling you, your taxes are going to be going up. Everything they're looking at doing is, is is about spending and it's going to cost money. I get people arguing with me online. They don't know what I know or they're not looking at what I'm looking at. Your taxes will be going up, uh, you know, maybe not this year, but absolutely next year. And, you know, also I've talked before about a fiscal cliff that we're facing the Pittsburgh Post Gazette reported that three, just three, of the downtown office buildings, you had their assessment values cut by a total of 183.2 million dollars in assessed value. That's 880, excuse me, 866 thousand dollars a year in real estate tax revenue. That's money we're going to have to give back two years of that. That's just for three buildings. So we're on the hook for like a million seven, and then. We have 55 more commercial properties. So, folks, it's going to get rocky here into 2024. And I think some folks are going to have buyer's remorse that they didn't elect Joe Rocky last November. But we got to go, as always, when we're having fun. Time seems to run short. Until next week, this is your host, Sam DeMarco, signing off for The elephant in the Room on WJAS, 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk.